Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, we're doing this recording for today's episode while you were engaged in doing a conference, um, a, a digital online conference that is about pastoral conversion. And being the one that you're engaged with it, I think that giving you the floor and kind of laying the groundwork is going to be better than me trying to tell you what you're actually doing. So with that being said, I'm going to give you the floor now and, and get right into it. Yeah, thanks, Joe. It's uh, something I probably should have talked about in a previous episode and people could have joined in live, uh, but it's still possible to get all of the recorded talks, which have been fantastic so far. We're three days in and two days to go, and so that's... Uh, four talks a day, 12 talks in, and eight talks to go. And they've really been excellent. Um, you can go to pastoralconversionconference.com to find out uh, more about it. And also, if you register, you'll be able to access all of the talks. It's not a steep registration fee. Any one of the speakers would be worth about two or three times the, uh, the cost that we're charging for the whole conference, but just a, a modest fee. And you can access all of the recordings, which we're putting up as they're, as they're happening with a little bit of uh, cleanup and editing to make them uh, e more easily accessible. Uh, also, a, a lot of good information in terms of uh, websites and ministries of the folks who have been presenting. We really have uh, gathered an all-star cast of people who have been working for decades in the space of transforming parishes. Our guiding question for the whole conference is, what would it take to make our parishes into communities where divine mercy is experienced and shared? So how do we make our parishes be what they're supposed to be and actually make them places of encountering God, of growing in faith, and of sharing that faith with others? So we looked at five different aspects of that and dedicated a theme to each day. And it's uh, somewhat in order in terms of things that we need to pay attention to. The first is individual conversion. We can't have a parish-wide conversion if we don't have individual conversion. And so uh, Father James Mallon, who's done a tremendous amount of work in this space, spoke to us. And Dr. Michael Terrian, who also has worked extensively in terms of individual conversion. We also had the Director of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Detroit, Father Steve Poulos, and then... Uh, the founder of Know His Love, Know His Dot Love, uh, website and ministry by Father Matthew Gossett in the Diocese of Steubenville, speak to us about the way that we bring others to know Jesus, that we bring others to or create the conditions. It's really the Holy Spirit is the author of personal conversion, but we can create the conditions in which others can come to know Jesus and helping to clarify who he is and how he loves and bringing people into a space that they can come to know him in a uh, in personal relationships and a supportive community and uh, an effective proclamation of the gospel is so critical so really some beautiful talks there but once we uh we land the the fish you might say then they need to be cleaned or once you give birth to the baby it needs to be formed it needs to be raised and so the second day of the conference was about formation, how we go from intentional discipleship into growth in faith and, and formation, growth in discipleship. 
to the point of becoming disciple makers. That's when we're really at our uh, fullest formation is when we are not only growing ourselves, but also sharing the faith with others and uh, even helping to form others. The transformation of disciples to disciple makers is one of the key elements of pastoral conversion. And so we heard some excellent talks in that space of uh, formation of disciples. Dr. Terry, and again, spoke about some great work that he's been doing with the Preambula Group and the Discipleship Forum called The Way, uh, and a second round called On Fire. Uh, I talked about the importance of spiritual direction as uh, an instrument of, of personal formation. And then we had two people from the diocese, Archdiocese of Portland, speak to us about the formation they're doing in parishes there, a priest from the St. John Society, and then a lay collaborator who have uh, both done excellent work in terms of forming disciples in the pastoral setting. The third day of the conference is on missionary outreach. Part of the formation and fullness of discipleship is when we're in a place to help others become disciples. And so in our missionary outreach, we heard from Jonathan Reyes, who has done a tremendous amount of work working for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops in the Secretariat of Justice and Peace, also a director of Catholic Charities in Denver, uh, also director of evangelization, founder of the Augustine Institute and president of the Augustine Institute, and currently the director of evangelization and formation for the Knights of Columbus. And he gave a really compelling talk about how we connect integrally intellectual formation. We have to know the faith. We have to know what the church teaches. We need to know the, the catechism, and we need to be formed in that. But we also need to take it to the streets. And he talked about his own transformation from a director of evangelization and a professor at the Augustine Institute to being director of Catholic Charities and then founding an outreach called Christ in the City, where young people are led to make friends with the homeless and make friends with uh, the poor in a way that they check in with them every day, that they develop real relationships with them and get to know the, the people that they're serving and who need Christ's charity. Uh, we heard also talks on uh, on missionary outreach as it's carried out by the Emmanuel community and as it's carried out by the Culture Project. So a lot of real experience, great principles and, and good background uh, knowledge, but real experience being shared by our speakers from um, decades of involvement in various aspects of the church's ministry. The fourth day of the conference, which is the day on which we're recording this, so I can't tell you about the quality of the talks yet, but we have we focus on sacramental life. It's so important that a parish has a healthy and vibrant sacramental life in order to feed all of these other activities, the evangelization and formation and missionary outreach, and also a place to bring people back to when we've uh, convince them of the truth of Jesus Christ and invited them to develop a relationship, then how do you live that out? Well, everything passes through Sunday Mass. And so the, the Eucharist is the source and summit of all of the life, the activity of the church. And so um, having a vibrant sacramental life, a Sunday Mass that inspires those who attend to go out and also invites those who are exploring to come in is so critical. And we have some excellent speakers lined up 
professors and practitioners in the space of the sacramental life in the church. The last day of the conference is on the importance of lay leadership and co-responsibility. The priests are participating in the conference, uh, but the majority of the participants are uh, the lay faithful, people like yourself, Joe, who uh, feel a call to uh, participate more actively in the church's outreach and ministry, uh, take responsibility for what's happening in parishes and in evangelization and formation. And so the last day of the conference, we have talks by various lay leaders who are in uh, some cases CEOs who have either dedicated themselves fully to church ministry or are still CEOs, but also participating in church ministry, helping with administrative uh, functions, helping to coach and form pastors, and participating in the church's administrative governance responsibilities and and various aspects of outreach. So really uh, some, some great topics, some great talks pastoralconversionconference.com. Again, if anybody is uh, interested and would like to, to check out the talks that have already taken place at that conference, it's uh, such an important topic and really kind of the genesis of our podcast, Joe. So I, I feel good about sharing it with our listeners, not just for some the sake of some uh, personal advertising or something like that, but because I think it's really on target for the kinds of themes that we have been discussing and that are dear to our hearts and how we fill up our parishes again and how we engage the faithful and how we, we bring them into a living relationship with Christ and help other people to do precisely what you've done, to take the personal initiative, to to share the faith by various means. Yeah, and, and on that note, we're certainly not going to be able to cover you know five days and 20 plus episodes here in a 20 minute podcast that that's certainly not even possible, but I do think that you, you've given the chance to articulate how to get there. Um, and, and to give people an opportunity to check it out, that link will be in the description of this particular podcast. So you can just click it through there as well as sharing it as the way you can share the podcast the same way in that regards. So with that being said, father, obviously from the very beginning, our goal is to, is to, to get people closer to Christ and in doing so is going to build a relationship. It's going to build a stronger community. So one of the things that is probably a very generic thing that, that you've gone through there is the category of people that, you know, are out there, they believe they're living the faith. They think they're doing things the right way, but they're not showing up to mass. And, and I'm assuming that, that that's a healthy percentage of, of those who have been born into the faith. I know that throughout the times we've had discussions that there's this arc that we've discussed where you go to you go to church regularly, whether you're in CCD or, or in school, during your school age, you fade away during high school and college, then people come back to it as they get married and children. So I wanted to, to have that you know, baseline that we've discussed before and kind of how to strengthen it. You know, you look at it, there's two ways you can potentially strengthen that. You either don't have people fade away whenever they're in high school and college or have a much stronger pull of people to return. So has there been any types of discussions about either of those two areas to change it from just, hey, I'm living a good life, I'm doing anything bad, to actually pulling them back into 
the Eucharist and back into Mass. Yeah, I think that's where the primary uh, energy is. We uh, sometimes call those the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the unaffiliated, uh, those who have wandered away and that we really need to focus our attention on reaching out to. They're people that we have email addresses and phone numbers for. They're people who have simply uh, drifted away and uh, for various reasons just have been unengaged or uninterested, maybe hurt in some ways. And uh, reaching out to them is really critical. A lot of the talks have been um, a little bit more general in the sense that when you reach out to them or you reach out to anybody, what are some of the stages that you need to bring people through? How do you go about this? What are some principles that you should follow? And uh, also calling to uh, accountability or a self-examination the participants in the conference who are primarily uh, leaders in the church in one fashion or another, pastoral associates or youth ministers or diocesan officials or, or pastors or parochial vicars, and inviting us to pay attention to uh, what we're doing, how, how far along our conversion is, um, whether we're, uh, what, what principles we're applying or what kinds of weight we're putting on ourselves. I'm thinking of uh, a couple of points that Jonathan Reyes made in his talk. He spoke about the uh, the mustard seed principle to be willing to do the little bit that we can do. And he invited us to think about the 12 apostles. He said, you know, the 12 apostles, they had that the church at the beginning was 12 bishops. They had 12 priests who were the same as the bishops. They had maybe a handful of people uh, after Pentecost, maybe 3,000 were baptized. That was the church in the entire world. They had no hospitals, no schools, no churches. They had uh, no money, no budget. They had uh, no acceptance in the empire. By 60 AD, they were illegal, and um, they managed to spread the faith across the entire world. <laughs> so we're in better shape than they are. And, uh, but, you know, so starting with things like that, the, that mustard seed principle. And then he, he also talked about one body, many parts, you know, and to recognize everybody isn't, isn't called to do everything. And I want to say that especially in the context of this podcast. You know, I, I just give you so much credit, Joe. I, I say this all the time. Uh, that you said, well, what can I do? You know, and so it's a kind of mustard seed and it's a willingness to take up one dimension of it. So we're going to reach a certain population of people who uh, hopefully we help to smooth the way a little bit more, to answer some questions, to encourage some participation, to um, you know, smooth away into coming back to, uh, back to mass or exploring a little bit more deeply on their own. And if everybody does something, then we, we end up with a, a much larger effect from, from all of those collective efforts. That's how the, the body is formed of a lot of different parts, a lot of different organs, a lot of different cells, a lot of different limbs. And so it's uh, important for us to kind of focus on, on our part. Um, there are also a couple of talks by members of the Emmanuel community who talked about doing street evangelization, door-to-door -door evangelization, having a parish mission that you really go out and invite people to. 
And it's another way of addressing, and, and certainly they gathered in the kind of person that you're describing, Joe, that you set up a mercy night in a parish or maybe a whole week of activities, but then you send people out to knock on doors or to make phone calls to people who are on the books, but come or don't come and invite them personally. Those personal relationships are so, so important. Uh, also, some of the talks are about the kinds of community that we have to form, the kinds of believers that we have to be in order to create an environment that those who come to visit, that come to the parish, are able to connect, that it's not a, a community of cold shoulders that are going to uh, just drive people away, but that there really is uh, ongoing support and relationships to help those who are who are taking a step out and, and coming back to church. Yeah, and, and obviously I don't want to take all the wind of, of, of your conference out, out from you, especially as it's ongoing right now. Um, but what you said there made me have a, a thought as you were breaking down the fact that when we when the church is growing, normally it's in a state of struggle. And you gave the example of the very early church. And the one that came to my mind is, is now that we can see the beginning and the end of it, is is under the, the, the steel curtain of the Soviet, the iron curtain of the Soviet Union, and particularly Poland, because the Pope talked about a lot from there because he was from Poland. And how, when they effectively were forced underground by the Russians, how the Polish people, the faith grew and it was fervent in them. But after the Russians had left Poland, the participation in the church had declined. And it's, to me, paradoxical that the faith is about God, who's the source of all love and all source of goodness, yet whenever it gets the most attention is when people are going through struggling and hardship. Um, and, and to me, that seems contrary in, in a sense, and in the other sense, natural, that when you're going through bad things, you want to go towards something that's better. And the reason I'm thinking of this is, is we're in a situation in America where we don't have an external pressure upon us. We don't have, um, you know, the Soviet Union forcing us to do what they want us to do. And it makes me, you know, wonder that in these times that the church is not oppressed, the church doesn't have issues of an outside force squeezing it, is it natural for this situation where things decline or did we mess something up um, somewhere along the way and are perpetuating this flaw without even realizing it? Um, perpetuating this flaw? Yeah, so, so like, I, like I said, Participation is, is shrinking overall and on a macro scale, especially as you look over over time. So my son, the faith, you know, Jesus didn't change. You know, God didn't change. So therefore, had to be something within us as individuals, maybe the way that we teach our children or the way that families are developed or education in general. I, I don't know, but something since World War II to now shifted and faith has declined in terms of per capita participation since then. So it makes me wonder if something had just become 
some flaw became accepted and then we just never second looked it and just are keeping the, the road uneven, if you will. Yeah, one of the uh, speakers at the conference talked about the structures in the church that were set up for uh, an earlier time, at least in the United States, when Catholics were a minority and were more um, unaccepted or even persecuted and foster made to uh, foster kind of a protective environment and growth. So Catholic schools, for example, formed as a, as a response to Protestant schools. Public schools were basically Protestant schools. And so in order to protect the faith of the Catholic communities, schools formed and uh, the, the communities protected their own and formed their own in, in terms of Catholic thought. Um, you know, the, the hospital systems, care for immigrants, the a lot of the outreach formed around a church that was uh, small, immigrant, poor, and really intended to support uh, a lot of those things. We're in a different place now, and so some of it is just shifting to the, the current circumstances, and that's what we're kind of also figuring out. What is, what is the need now? You know, throughout history, God has raised up different groups to address different needs in different times. And so I think that's part of what's uh, developing. Another thing is we really had a big bubble after World War II. It was a kind of minor age of faith and seems to be because of the hardship, because of the disillusionment in the things in the world. The war was was so brutal and... uh, and then, I don't know, maybe there was uh, something about the enemy that we made out of communism, and uh, certainly the church was very much on the side of defending the the truth in that. But we just had a huge surge in the 40s and 50s uh, coming out of World War II in terms of vocations, population, participation. It's when we built a lot of churches in the 50s and 60s. There was a real surge of faith. And so in some sense, we're actually declining back to levels that were closer to the beginning of the 20th century in terms of vocations and uh, participation. And uh, that's why we're closing churches, because we built them in the 50s and 60s when we had this huge surge. So that's, a, that's part of the story. And then I think your point about, uh, you know, the church has always grows through persecution and struggle. The Tertullian famously noted that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so um, now in some places in the world, there are a lot of martyrs and the church is really growing. In the United States, we're in a place uh, luxury and complacency are never things that foster Christianity. I mean, they are really um, hard ground and the, or, or there are really a lot of thorns, I should say, as to use Jesus's description, that, that choke out the seed through uh, riches and worldly anxieties. And when we have empires, then we sacrifice God in order to protect our empires. Uh, or even if we just have small luxuries, we can end up sacrificing God to protect our small luxuries. But some of the immigrant communities and some of the more um, uh, suffering communities would have uh, more openness to faith. And and so that's also, I think, some of the, the shift is our country is still pretty comfortable, you know, as, as much as we might talk about economic upshifts or downshifts. And of course, the COVID pandemic adds its own 
dynamics into the into the mix of all of that. Oh yeah, from an economic perspective, we are on an individual basis so much far above second place. It's it's pretty insane. Um, but that being said, it, it does regard to or does outcome of luxuries and, and opportunities and all that stuff. So I'm glad that, that we were able to give a chance to have a discussion about your conference. Obviously, it's going to be much more in-depth than, than the knowledge I can bring to the table with all these professionals that you brought there. The hyperlink for it will be in the description of this podcast that you've downloaded here today. So if you just open that up in your browser, you can click to it and get more in-depth about the types of individual topics that we've discussed that got outlined here. And by the time that this podcast becomes public, um, the entire conference will have been done so you can listen to the archives of everything. So as always, we thank you guys for listening and being with us out there today. And we'll be with you again here next week.